The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 329, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, December 17th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give you my take on MMA, pro wrestling, gaming and entertainment on wednesday nights we do our mma and wrestling show at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific and thursday nights we do our gaming and entertainment show from 11 starting at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific as always you can participate listen to the live audio feed and listen to the and watch the live video feed by heading to mtrlive.com you'll be able to see a full video feed there in 720p as well as a live chat and the live audio as well. Archived episodes of the show are released on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio for audio versions, and video is released on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. If you're not able to get to mtrlive.com, you've got a couple of other ways to tune into the show this evening. Uh, you can use the Twitch app available on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and you can watch the show that way. And you can also download the Mixler app for your Android and iOS devices, punch in My Take Radio, and you can listen to the live audio feed that way. As always, we do simulcast our video to YouTube Live, uh, Restream, Stream Up, Vaughn Live, and of course, as I said before, Twitch. But if you want the best experience, head over to mtrlive.com only because... I can't have all the chat rooms for all the services open at the same time. So, again, you're better served heading to mtrlive.com and using the chat there to participate. You can also use our call-in number, not hit option one, and you'll be able to watch the show that way. Um, Slick just told me that there's issues with the video. Seems our stream is running here. I refreshed. Thanks, Thanks, Slick, for the heads up what the deal is with that we've been trying to do a lot more video simulcasting until we find a dedicated provider to use i know a lot of my colleagues recommend the youtube live 
but I've been using Restream just because it allows us to feed multiple services at once. Hopefully, it'll be resolved. Otherwise, you you know we'll have video for the show on our two YouTube channels. So, I guess something is going on with Stream Up Slick. Thank you for the heads up. But yeah, like I said, you can watch via Twitch or YouTube Live. Which, if you go to the RageWorks YouTube channel, you can see the video feed there. Anyway, before we get into tonight's show, a couple of housekeeping things. Want to get out of the way, a couple of announcements, and we'll get into tonight's gaming and entertainment edition of MTR. First up, this will be our last show for 2015. Of course, we got Christmas around the corner, and you know the following week we got New Year's Eve, all that stuff. So... We are going to do the last show, uh, gaming and entertainment-wise, today. We did our final wrestling and MMA show last night. We will be back on air January 13th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, that will be our MMA and wrestling show. We'll start off 2016 right. Uh, we are going to be making some adjustments and changes during our time off for the holidays. So we look forward to to jumping into it in 2016 with a ton of new toys, a ton of new features, and hopefully uh, just some more consistency with regards to handling the video feed as well as the audio feed. In addition to that, uh, our friends at the Regular Season Sportscast put out their episode for the holiday season. Make sure to check that out. It's available for download. And an episode of Black is the New Black should be available this weekend. Obviously, if things change, I will make sure to let you guys know either via Twitter or Facebook. The other thing I did want to mention, our Facebook fan page recently broke the 4,000 fan mark. Uh, Very excited to share that with you guys. Definitely want to welcome all the new people that have found Rageworks and MTR for that matter and have been checking out all our content. Definitely appreciate that. Um, Really, really grateful for all the feedback I've been receiving from some of the new people that have jumped on board whether it's through Facebook messaging me privately or through Twitter or through any of the other social media outlets that we have. Definitely very, very grateful for that. Um, Also want to take a moment and thank our team, um, Slick, Quark, Blade, everybody from the MTR and Rageworks family for putting in a ton of work in 2015 to make the site and the shows as as good as can be. Uh, Really grateful for that. You're only as good as the team that's around you, and these guys are definitely some of the best. Um, Definitely do want to say that with regards to how things are structured and how things are going forward in 2016, we're definitely starting to do a bit more. We're starting to focus our energies a bit more. For instance, you know, Slick is handling a lot of the gaming stuff. Um, It's something that I, you know, I trust him with. I feel that he is incredibly suited for the task and has done nothing but step up and deliver consistent content every week. Uh, Very grateful for that. This, by shifting the gaming focus to him a little bit in terms of the site, I'm able to try and work on doing more brand building, uh, definitely doing more product reviews, trying to do more YouTube stuff and grow the channels and increase the Rageworks social media footprint. Uh, A couple of key things in 2015, obviously, Our Instagram presence continues to grow. Uh, We are waiting for the official update from Instagram to manage multiple accounts so that we can have a dedicated Rageworks account and I can separate it uh, from my personal account. I mean, it's a hybrid mixture of the two. And I mean, if you want to ask, honestly, MTR or 
or Rageworks. You know, the bulk of it flows through me anyway. But I think a dedicated feed is in order to focus on more of our work. Nonetheless, that's something that I've been working uh, on a beta with a brand new multiple account access through Instagram. So hopefully uh, we'll have that set up in 2016. Uh, we are trying to do more with Snapchat. Same thing. Um, just trying to leverage the mediums, give give us a voice on different platforms. Uh, still learning a lot of the nuances associated with Snapchat. Uh, still kind of figuring out and navigating my way through it. I think that the platform definitely got a bum rap. And now that I'm doing a lot more research, uh, studying it a bit more and playing around with it, it definitely starts to look like it's something that we can leverage appropriately to give you guys some content. But on the flip side, Twitter, Facebook still remain some of our primary methods of engagement uh, to connect with so many of you guys. Um, Of course, email as always. I know that in 2016, we're definitely going to be more aggressive on the email front only because I feel that if I'm able to email you guys directly uh, via some sort of newsletter that we can we can put together I think it's just an easier way to keep everybody abreast of what's going on, whether it's schedule changes, um, you know, enhancements to the site, downtime, etc. I think it's one of those things that is very crucial and it's something we're going to definitely be aggressive with in 2016. So if I start hitting you guys up for emails, don't be shocked, Um, especially, you know, we definitely will not sell your emails or use your emails maliciously. I just want to find a better way to leverage email only because we all receive it, we all access it, and we all open it. So if, if we can harness that to give you guys some great information, maybe once or twice a week, we can definitely make some major headway. So hoping to do that in 2016 as well. Uh, we are working on a brand new studio for MTR. Uh, that hopefully will be debuting in 2016. Uh, this is because multitude of reasons, but I feel a dedicated workspace is in order, not only for the sake of giving you guys the best content possible, but also because we're going to start doing a lot more on the product side from reviews to unboxings to some other stuff. We may even do some green screen. Uh, one one person reached out to me recently and had asked, about Periscope, you know, I used to do Periscope once or twice a week, and um, the reason I hadn't been doing it is just because scheduling, and usually I the Periscope, I either do it on my drive to the office or on my drive back from the gym, and time just hasn't been conducive to do that. Uh, hopefully, we'll try and do more Periscope in 2016, especially with any of the events that we cover, and maybe we'll integrate it into some of our product unboxings and reviews as well. In addition to that, I know that some people have been curious about, you know, some sort of a vlog or blog just to kind of break it up a little bit and focus on some other stuff. Uh, Not something I want to do at the moment. I know that some people said, you know, that's something that works for YouTube. And I've seen a couple of people doing it. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk is doing the Daily V, uh, which is just a day in, in the life blog. And I think it works. I think it's definitely something that's That's awesome, and Gary Vaynerchuk is the master of stuff like that. But I think right now we're just going to focus our energies on growing the footprints that we have, covering more events, and getting out there in front of more people. Uh, For those of you that have asked about Rageworks merchandise, MTR merchandise, etc., go to rageworks.net forward slash shop. We have a really awesome t-shirt store specializing not only in 
My Take Radio, Rageworks, and some of our other shows, T-shirts and merch. But we also have a ton of great pop culture stuff as well, uh, starting at $14 up to 20 bucks, depending on what you want to get. Obviously, if you want sweatshirts or anything else, uh, the pricing will be a bit more. I feel that going this route allows us to offer stuff that is relevant to the show, the site, and, of course, the stuff we cover. And I think thus far it's been... Um, it's been one of those things that's been rather successful as of late. So I definitely want to thank all of you guys that have been picking up shirts and helping us out that way. Uh, the Patreon thing, I know I've mentioned on previous episodes how we were going to jump back into it and start going aggressively in that direction to bring in some revenue to make improvements to the show. I've just been trying to figure out a way to, to do that right. And I've thought of a couple of campaigns and a couple of perks and bonuses but again, it's one of those things where they're just not, it just doesn't feel right. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, throw a donate button up there. Same thing. I mean, the, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation that comes about when, you know, you want to bring in revenue. And I had a conversation with a fellow podcaster uh, Monday afternoon, and we were talking about revenue and income, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, but, you know, podcasting is free and, People feel that they shouldn't have to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. But like like anything else, everything that you consume, every piece, every piece of content you consume has has a price tag. Whether it's completely free or not, you're paying for it in some capacity. I mean, if you're watching broadcast television, you're you know, you're paying for it because you're consuming advertising. Now, whether you leverage that advertising or not, it is part of the ticket of entry. Uh, same thing with cable, same thing with Hulu, Netflix. You're paying for that stuff to consume that content. Yes, you know, you're getting a, a litany of it, but it's content that's being paid for. Um, you know, listening to AM and FM radio, you don't pay for the radio, but, you know, you don't pay for the service, but you're still uh, privy to advertising that you are forced to listen to. And sometimes you leverage it, sometimes you don't. Uh, because of that, like I said, using Patreon or a donate button or stuff like that, is just a slippery slope. You know, I don't want to sit here and admonish people for, you know, not not investing into the show, but it's something that I felt was getting really old. I said that to Slick a couple of times, you know, no sense in, in coming on here and, and giving you guys a hard time for, you know, you donated, you didn't donate, you didn't participate, you didn't do this. It's just, you know, there's better there's better things that can be done with our time and our energy. But... As always, you know, we always have advertising slots available on the site, on the show. And um, if, if people don't want to hear that sort of stuff, then obviously you got to put your money where your mouth is. But in any case, those are just some of the key items I wanted to reference with you guys for 2015 and 2016. As I mentioned at the start of the show, this will be the last MTR of 2015. And, um, you know, we'll be back in January. So. What do we got on deck for tonight? We got plenty of gaming news. A uh, very interesting piece that I read from Gizmodo that I wanted to discuss with you guys. And I'm hoping Slick will give me the assist on this. It was an article put out. No, it wasn't by Gizmodo. Excuse me. It was by Kotaku. And it was titled, The Biggest Video Game Disappointments of 2015. And um, I, felt, I felt that there were a lot of things that they were spot on about. And then there were other things that I felt were just leveraged for the sake of, you know, getting people to talk. 
Uh, I definitely want to share my thoughts on it. I'm sure that Slick is going to have some to add as well. Um, we're also going to get into some of the gaming news of the week on the entertainment side. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Star Wars already off to a stellar start. Starting to see people already uh, chiming in that I know personally that they have already seen it. Not giving any spoilers away, but most of, I, I want to say, I've heard nothing but, but good responses thus far. And um, hopefully going to check it out this weekend and hopefully have a review for you guys as well. Uh, in addition to that, we also got a couple of other reviews in the works that we hope to have live during the weekend as well. All right, so let's get the ball rolling. Let's jump into this week's gaming segment and get that ball rolling. All right, so I, I want to get the ball rolling with the gaming news of the week before I get into the Kotaku piece. Uh, first up, many of you guys know that when we published all the stuff related to WWE 2K16, we were told about a creation studio app that was going to be released for iOS and Android devices, which would allow you to scan your face into the creation suite, as well as capture tattoos, logos, etc., to add into the creator uh, arena championship design feature system. Now, the biggest issue that I got from that was the fact that it was not released when the game came out. That was a very, very big fuck-up, in my opinion, from 2K. Uh, turns out that they ended up releasing the creation suite uh, earlier this week. Uh, some people saw it in the store last week but weren't able to download it. And it frustrated me when I received the news about it because I said to myself, the game has been out for, for a while now, for, for a while. And while people, yes, are playing the game, you're not going to get the same crowd response that you would have received when the game first hit stores. Um, two months. Thank you, Slick. Two months since the game came out, and all of a sudden, you finally got the app available. My issue with this is, as I said, you're coming, you're coming to the pool a little too late with that. And while people, like I said, are still playing the game, nobody, the few people that are highly invested in the game and really being creative, sure, they are going to download the app. I'm going to download the app and test it out and give my opinion on it. But I just feel that releasing it two months later did more harm than good. At, the, at that rate, you should have just either released it quietly or left it alone and said nothing because most people are, have moved past the WWE games. And again, it's not, it's not a dig at 2K. It's just the fact that the timing was, was not good. I mean, there's so many new titles out right now, and sure, you're going to definitely get a bump in, in revenue based on people picking up the game for Christmas, and obviously the game's been on sale on more than one occasion. But again, releasing an app two months later that is complementary to to the game itself is just a step in the wrong in the wrong direction from 2K. Not not happy about it. But like I said, I'm, I am going to check it out. I'm going to try maybe and scan my face into the created feature, see how a created version, a created superstar version of myself comes across, and um, we'll see if it's accurate. I mean, I definitely will share my findings either on YouTube or on the site and keep you guys posted about that. One of the big news stories that I was very, very excited about was the announcement for Tekken 7 Faded Retribution. 
I added, I, you know, I added the, the, the stream to Twitch, to my Twitch, and I watched it. And at the end of the serve, you know, at the end of the um, tournament, they showed a brand new trailer for the game that revealed Akuma as a brand new addition to the Tekken mythology and also to the Tekken 7 roster. Obviously, um, Akuma comes over from the Street Fighter universe and it opens up a ton of questions. You know, who from Tekken is going to show up in, in, in the Capcom universe? Uh, how are they going to leverage that? And a lot of people are definitely interested in the fact that Akuma's involvement is really being considered canon for the series. Now, hearing something like that and seeing that the Tekken universe and the Street Fighter universe are, you know, in, in harmony at the moment, it's interesting to see how the stories are going to play out. Obviously, we've seen roster announcements for Street Fighter Five, and... um we know that, you know, Akuma is nowhere to be seen yet. I'm sure that will change. But to see his involvement in Tekken 7 opens up, you know, a wealth of possibilities. I mean, you can see Kazuya Mishima show up in Street Fighter 5 and it would not be out of place given what's been going on. I think it's it's an interesting step and I think it's something that we should watch very carefully. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we would never have imagined playing a Street Fighter Cross Tekken title on our home consoles, and we got that. Uh, going back even further, we would never have expected the Marvel superheroes and the Street Fighters to square off either. And these are things that we've had the privilege of seeing, and it just shows that there's a, a never-say-never. You know, there, there's always a never-say-never when it comes to games like that. I mean, I, I find it more probable to see more interactions between Tekken and Street Fighter than, say... Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, obviously, because of the of the very, very ultra-violent style of Mortal Kombat. But, again, never say never. Uh, Lucha Lee says, I'm still waiting for Tekken, Tekken Cross Street Fighter. You know what? That game is actually still in development. I don't know where where it fits now because of Tekken 7 and Street Fighter 5. But the crazy thing is that the game is still in development. And I said to myself when I read that, I was like, well, shit. You know, you guys are cranking out Tekken 7, you're cranking out Street Fighter 5, and if that game is still in development, what exactly is the holdup? I'm curious to see that. I think that Akuma's introduction to Tekken 7 is going to show how well Street Fighter characters can be rendered in the Tekken style, and I think, you know, there's no better character to do it with. Now, the real question is, when you bring over a Tekken character to Street Fighter 5, because I, I feel it's inevitable at this point, it's how is that character going to fit in? I mean, they did such a great job with Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, altering the movesets and the way that the characters look on screen to fit into the Street Fighter universe. And it's it's something that really has me excited as a you know, I make I make no no qualms about the fact that I am a huge fighting game fan, uh, Japanese American fighting games, play them all, own a bulk of them. I own a ton of Street Fighter shit. I really do. It's 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 definitely borderline insane how much Street Fighter shit I have, and um, you know it's something that I, that I'm really excited for. Uh, Tekken Seven Retribution, of course, will be out in Japan as an update in the arcades, and then the game is scheduled for a PlayStation Four release later on. Of course, once I get a release date, you know I will share it with you guys, whether it be on RageWorks.net or on air. Super pumped for that. 
This past weekend's UFC 194 main event between Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo was not just a battle for titles. It was also a fight to determine which of these two athletes would share uh, box cover art duties with Ronda Rousey. And, of course, those of you that know how that played out know that Conor McGregor dispatched Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. And, and because of that is now the second UFC fighter to appear on the box alongside Ronda Rousey for EA Sports UFC 2, which is hitting stores this spring. Now, again, you know, it's kind of cool that they did that. Um, you know, it has a Madden-esque feel to it. I, I think, you know, some people were, were annoyed that Ronda was on the cover versus any of the other fighters and champions. But I got to tell people this. When it comes to revenue, exposure, and mainstream press, nobody's eclipsing Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor at this point. No one. Until somebody comes along that is just as brash, just as cocky, just as outspoken, just as exciting for the sport that is going to turn the tide, I have no issue with either with either of these two fighters on the cover. Had Jose Aldo won and they had been Jose Aldo and Ronda Rousey, I would have had no zero problem with that either because you're talking about a guy with a 15 year undefeated, you know, undefeated, you know, an undefeated record for the last 15 years and what is truly a first ballot MMA Hall of Famer. As I said, EA Sports UFC hits stores spring 2016. So, I want to talk a little bit about the Hideo Kojima situation. Of course, many of you know that Hideo Kojima and Konami parted ways and it was revealed earlier this week that Kojima will be entering into a brand new partnership with Sony. Um, First title appears to be slated for late 2016, early 2017. Those are the rumors that have been floating around. In any case, I think that it's a huge win for Kojima Productions and for Sony. You're taking one of the most legendary, you know, personalities in gaming and partnering up with them on an, on an exclusive level. Uh, this was definitely a big mistake by Microsoft, and but for not capitalizing on Kojima's separation from Konami, I think that, you know, the guy, the guy single-handedly turned Metal Gear into a household name. I mean, whether you, you have issues about the game being a glorified movie or lacking the gameplay that you require, at the end of the day, the fact remains that the Metal Gear games are as iconic as 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 any and the fact is that when you look at the success of sony it's always tied into games like metal gear games like god of war you know games with deep stories and incredible narratives that harness the full power of the hardware um slick says slick feels that sony just beat them to the punch you know it's very easy to say that but i also feel that the industry has a lot of whispers much like any other industry the gaming industry has its fair share of whispers and i think that once people knew that kojima was a free agent it was just a matter of putting the right number in front of him and leveraging it and giving him whatever freedoms he requires for his games to see the light of day on that platform i while there is there is weight to sony beating microsoft to the punch i feel that microsoft had deeper pockets and definitely drop the ball on this one. That's that's where I stand. I feel that when you look at Microsoft, Microsoft, th- their bankroll is deep. 
Not to say that Sony doesn't have a deep bankroll either, but Microsoft has a deep fucking bankroll. So for them to to miss out on the on the Kojima sweepstakes was, you know, definitely poor form. Uh, we don't know the specifics of the deal with Kojima and Sony, but I'm sure that Sony's going to work their hardest to keep him happy and make sure that he continues to crank out legendary titles on on their platform. I think it's a, it's a win-win for both sides. I think that with the way things went with Kojima and Konami and the you know the way that the public was just dumbfounded by how they treated him on his exit, I um I'm really looking forward to seeing what type of projects they bring to market and if they can continue to recapture if they can recapture the same glory that Kojima brought to Metal Gear with a brand new IP. Obviously, once we hear more, we will definitely share it with you guys. So I want to talk about a guilty pleasure of mine, a game that I've been playing on and off since it was released for free on PlayStation Plus, and that is Rocket League. For those of you that are not familiar with Rocket League, it is a game which is essentially a soccer match where instead of human players, you are using cars. Uh, You're usually knocking an oversized soccer ball into a goal like any other soccer game that you've seen, just with turbo power-ups, unique vehicles, and just uh, something so simple that you would never have thought that it would be as fun as it was. Uh, there's been a new mod recently that allows you to play hockey, with, with have a hockey puck instead of a soccer ball, and of course you're seeing a lot of cool customized vehicles as well. Well, the crazy thing is that this game has been floating under the radar and has been picking up a lot of fans along the way. But the thing is that this game, um, you know, Psionics raked in nearly $50 million in revenue off a game that was developed over a two-year period and cost less than $2 million. It's crazy because Psionic did a lot of contract work to keep the lights on, but their IP in, in Rocket League was a game that was made for hardly any money. Um, the crazy thing is, since it's launched in July on the PS4, where it was available free for a month, it's also been released on Windows PC and is scheduled for release on Xbox One. There have been over 8 million registered players, including yours truly. Uh, the studio announced during the 2015 Game Awards that it will be bringing Rocket League, as I said, to Xbox One in February. Uh, the game, of course, won plenty of awards both in the independent game category and the best sports racing game categories there's a steady stream of downloadable content that has been released both in free and paid tiers that continues to make rocket league fun and engaging uh including you know new maps new cars new modes uh they're doing a snow day mode which i've seen some pictures floating around that i'm looking forward to checking out uh but they're also working on getting licensed vehicles into the game including Kit from Knight Rider, uh, which is very cool. I think that's something that many people are going to have fun with. It's no different than in Burnout when you were able to play as the General Lee or the DeLorean from Back to the Future or a version of or their version of Kit. I think it's something that's cool. People have a lot of fun with it. And if you haven't played Rocket League, please do yourselves a favor and check it out. Uh, really great game from an independent publisher. And it's incredibly fun, man. I didn't think that car-based soccer game was was going to capture my attention the way it did, but it's a great guilty pleasure that you can pick up, get get a grasp on in three or four minutes, 
And before you know it, though, that three or four minutes turns into two or three hours. It is a fun, fun game. I know that Lucha Lee recently picked up a PS4. I know that he was asking about games that he should pick up. Do yourself a favor, Lucha Lee, and pick up Rocket League. It is a, a fantastic game. Um, Slick, I think I think it, it might still be available for, for a couple of bucks. Uh, ah, you do have, look at you, Lucha Lee has it on Steam. Ah, lucky bastard. <laughs> Very cool. I'm always I'm always looking to try and get some multiplayer gaming in on my PS4. I really don't get that much much multiplayer gaming in. Um, definitely look me up if you do have Rocket League, uh, Gamertag, Akuma25. Fuck it, I'll put it out there. Um, you know, if you guys want to link up, play a couple of games, uh, drop me a line. Please, please, please make sure that if you do send me a, an Xbox Live, or a PS Plus or PlayStation uh, invite that you tell me who the hell you are. <laughs> Nothing is more annoying than getting, oh, you've got a friend request from, you know, Thor's Hammer 48. And you say to yourself, who the fuck is Thor's Hammer 48? Then you have to go and ask, who are you? And maybe they'll answer, maybe they don't. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to say it. I'm not trying to big time anybody or make it seem like I'm super fucking important. But just a little courtesy, let me know who you are. Hey, I'm a listener, or hey, I'm a reader of the site, whatever. Let me know. Always look in a game with uh, listeners. I mean, we've, we've had some, some fun times uh, doing some gaming events with, with some of our listeners, and I think that would definitely be something that we could do in the future. Um, again, if, if you have Rocket League, hit me up. Would love to get a couple of games in. Uh, Slick just told me that um, Rocket League is 20 bucks on PSN. And his response was, fuck that. You know what it is, man? I got it for free, and I could see that game being worth 20 bucks. I'm being honest. Just because of all the crazy DLC shit that ha- that, that's been put out, um, you know, I, I, 20, 20 bucks for that game is fine. Anything higher definitely would have raised an eyebrow, but 20 bucks is okay. Anyway, Rocket League definitely off to the races. Tons of success, and um, I'm very happy, man. I think that game is incredibly fun. While we are on the subject of what Lucelli mentioned with regards to Steam, um, I'm pleased to announce that those of you that are Steam users will be able to play Street Fighter V on Steam OS. Capcom announced it earlier today that the game will also support the Steam controller, and um, Capcom has been working very closely with Valve to ensure that Street Fighter V works as you know, works smoothly with the Steam controller. It is going to happen. Um, play, players of the Windows PC version of Street Fighter V's beta will be able to try out the Steam controller during this weekend's beta test. So if you are one of the people that is signed up for the Street Fighter V beta and are a Steam user, you can check out the Steam controller on the Street Fighter V beta. Of course, the game is slated to arrive on PlayStation 4 and Windows PC with cross-platform play February 16th, 2016. So there you have it. If you're a Steam user and you want to get a look, get in on some Street Fighter action, definitely check that out this weekend during the beta event. Switching gears, definitely want to talk about Xbox's continued uh, expansion of their backwards compatibility lineup. Uh, a couple of new titles were announced today that are joining the over 100 titles that have already been added to the backwards compatibility catalog uh the new titles are as follows braid deus ex human revolution doritos crash course fable 3 
Halo Reach, Hydro Thunder, Iron Brigade, Kane and Lynch 2, Motocross Madness, Miss Pac-Man, Peggle, Portal, Spelunky, Splosion Man, Ticket to Ride, and Zuma's Revenge. I mean, I know a lot of people are excited about those titles, but hey, can I get, I don't know, Street Fighter Third Strike, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, Guru, Mark of the Wolves? How about sending that shit over to, <laughs> to backwards compatibility? That's the shit I need. I need those games. Don't get me wrong. I still play them on my 360, but I don't know. If I could just get those on on the Xbox One, I would be extremely grateful. Can I just Can I just get that game it's like danny said yes i wanted that doritos game back said no one it's true can i just get third strike please at least third strike not so much you know marvel versus capcom but third strike i wouldn't mind i really wouldn't but in in all seriousness the catalog is going to continue to grow and new titles are going to continue to be added um like i said they already came to the gate with 100 titles an extra an extra 16 added to the queue don't hurt anybody um lucha lee says they should probably release those old burger king games for backwards compatibility sneaking and pocket bike racers and big bumping you know what the worst thing is dude i had those games i picked up all three of them (laughs) i picked up all three of them when they came out i went to like four or five different burger kings to pick them up and i had a couple of connects too like yo Hey man, can you get me this game? And I I knew a couple of guys that were working working in Burger King, and they'd be like, "Yo, we got it." And I'd run over there and pick up the game. Again, it, they weren't the greatest games by any stretch of the imagination, but they were easy games if you wanted to rack up on achievements. And they were just so silly, you know, nothing crazy or over the top, just just fun games to waste ten or fifteen minutes. It's definitely very cool to see Lucha Lee. Uh, still has those games at four bucks a clip uh danny raises an interesting question she says what metrics are they using to determine the games to bring back i'd love to know that as well i mean they always they said in the announcement they said um do you want to see a specific xbox 360 title on xbox one let us know fan feedback is essential in shaping the xbox experience and it is integral in making xbox one backwards compatibility a reality Keep voting for the 360 games that you want to add at xbox.uservoice.com. So there you have it. If you want a particular title, get in there and vote. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote my ass off to get a uh, Street Fighter Third Strike, at least that, or Guru Mark of the Wolves, or even um, King of Fighters. I'll take King of Fighters too. Um, Slick says fucking sneaking. Nobody fucking asked for sneaking. <laughs> Lucha Lee as, hey, my friend's brother and I actually spent a few hours on Big Bumpin'. It wasn't a bad party game. Exactly. That game saw probably the most playtime in my house when I had five or six people over. And we just felt like playing something completely stupid. You know another game that I never got tired of playing and I still have on my 360 when people come over? Seen it. The uh, the movie trivia game, which came with the uh, the push-button controllers always played that also buzz on the playstation 3 was another title that when you got a couple of people over and they're not gamers you can get people involved very very easily i'm also a sucker for monopoly for whatever reason i've always had a had a thing for playing monopoly um especially on consoles i remember me my wife and my nephew 
had a had probably the longest monopoly game ever. Uh, it went into like the hours category. I was like, oh my god, all right already. Um, Lucha Lee adds, you don't know Jack is a good one. Uh, you know what it was? We played that, and I forgot what stupid question they asked, and it was just it annoyed me, infuriated me so much. Um, it just drove me crazy. Slick adds, Monopoly board game. Someone always cheats. That's why I play that shit on the Xbox 360. I mean, I haven't played a Monopoly board game in a long time. It's always fun to to bring those out. Um, you know, I haven't played a Monopoly board game. I want to say in at least ten years. Uh, my biggest vices were always uh, Monopoly, Chinese checkers, and regular checkers. I'm still trying to learn to how to play chess. Uh, that's something I feel I, I I would I would really have fun with, only because it's a very very thinking thinking game. Uh, something I definitely want to learn in the near future. That's for damn sure. Anyway, switching gears, I want to talk a little bit about Nintendo. Um, Nintendo made an awesome announcement uh, with some brand new additions to the Mario Maker. Uh, They put uh, a bunch of new things, a bunch of new updates, which are going to be available December 21st, and you're going to be getting a Fire Koopa Clown Car. You're going to get the P-Warp Doors. You're going to get bumpers. You're also going to have the world records available, and you're also going to have a bookmark, which is going to allow you to bookmark levels to play later in the Course World tab. So very cool stuff to see from Super Mario Maker. Um, I've been I've been meaning to pick it up and check it out. I've seen some amazing levels created on Super Mario Maker. There's a lot of, of really, really talented developers you know, pseudo developers out there putting together some cool stuff. I mean, when I played Little Big Planet Hardcore, I loved playing the user created levels. They were always a ton of fun and they worked extremely, extremely well. So, definitely awesome to see Nintendo continuing to add uh, great things to the Super Mario Maker game. On the flip side, with regards to. Uh, Super Smash Brothers, of course, Smash Brothers continues to evolve and grow and adapt and make itself a game that really must be picked up if you are a Wii U owner. Uh, there are some new additions that were announced, including uh, Bayonetta, of course. You are also, you know, she joins Cloud and um, Corin from the brand new Fire Emblem game. And, of course, you're going to be seeing Amiibos to go with those characters. Uh, the, the funny thing is that I've, I, I give Nintendo a lot of shit about their IPs. But I got to tell you, they're continuing to make the Smash Brothers IP uh, just, just brand new and fresh. I mean, obviously, part of it is selling more Amiibos. But the fact that the game, which has been out for quite some time, Slick, how long has, has Smash Brothers been out on the Wii U? It's it's been out for so long and you're seeing constantly, you know, constant new additions. Obviously, you're getting Ryu from Street Fighter, Cloud, uh, Corrin from the new Fire Emblem game, Bayonetta as well. I mean, you're you're going to continue to see some some other additions. I think there's probably still a couple of more characters they can add before they start looking at a sequel to that game unless they plan on doing something for their upcoming NX console. At the end of the day, I feel that Nintendo has actually done something right with Smash Brothers by keeping it not only in at the forefront of a lot of their announcements, but releasing 
just amazing characters and and characters that really make people want to pick the game up. Slick just got me the data that said that Smash Brothers has been out for almost 13 months to the day. 11-21-2014. See what I'm saying? Just just craziness, man. And the game the game continues to reinvent itself and be fresh. So very pumped about that. Um, if you haven't picked up the game yet and you are picking up a Wii U for someone this holiday season, do yourself a favor and definitely pick up Smash Brothers. Uh, the game continues to evolve and become a must-play classic on the Wii U console. It's not often that we talk about Microsoft's Kinect, uh, pri- probably because most people just don't give a shit about it. Uh, some people don't even use it, and it collects dust, especially for those of us that were um, Xbox One Day One purchasers, uh, yours truly being one of them. Um, funny thing is that you no longer need to utilize the Connect for Xbox Fitness, which is one of their non-gaming applications. Uh, the funny thing is that, you know, they, they by removing that feature, you've pretty much made the Connect a non-factor. I remember on the 360 when the Kinect came out, I played quite a few games. Fruit Ninja, I think Fruit Ninja saw the most playtime um, when the Kinect really started taking off. When the Kinect became, you know, came bundled with the Xbox One, I really just saw no purpose for it aside from the voice controls and the occasional, you know, moving the screen with your hand. It really just was a non-factor in terms of just the overall enjoyment of the console. I mean, it's cool that it can scan your face and and recognize that you're the owner of the console to log you in. And I think it's cool, but the Xbox One Connect and even the the PlayStation camera, they're they're all cool things to have, but they're non-factors. They really are. And um, to hear them removing the requirement from a a non-gaming app that actually leveraged the Connect accordingly just shows that even Microsoft is starting to realize that you know, the camera doesn't mean shit. Really doesn't. Last bit of gaming news before I jump into the Kotaku piece is that Mega Man X8 will be heading to the PlayStation Network this week. Uh, the game will be available to play on the PlayStation 3 as part of the PlayStation 2 Classics digital download. Of course, Mega Man X8 was the final installment of the Mega Man X series. While I am excited to see that game appear on the PlayStation Network, I really would like to see a remastered Mega Man X collection versus just releasing one or two games. I think a Mega Man X collection will sell quite a bit. I mean, they did a really good job with the Mega Man Legacy collection, which was very popular and was very well executed. I'd love to see a compilation of Mega Man X series games. That's for damn sure. Uh, Slick says, fuck X8. It's all about Mighty Number 9. I mean, that's that's all well and good, but I got a soft spot for Mega Man. I grew up playing it. Um, the X games were the gold standard when you had a Super Nintendo. Um, when you play Mega Man X on the Super Nintendo for the first time, you were like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. I remember playing Mega Man X, you know, going going dipping back into into that that time period. Super Nintendo had a had so many fucking great games. Really awesome games. I mean, I remember Super Castlevania getting a ton of gameplay. Um, uh, the WWF games at the time. Uh, what else was I playing on there? Uh, I, the Final Fight Collection. It's you know it's one of those things where Super Nintendo just 
just consistently delivered. And the X game, the Mega Man X games were were something that were just a staple when it came to that console. Slick ads, go check the trailer for Mighty Number no. Nine. It's all about Mega Man love, but you will not look back. All right, uh, I'll I'll take your word for it. Anyway, with that said, that is going to cover the bulk of the gaming news for this week. I want to get into this piece, and I want to see if Slick is on the line. I want to bring him in for this. Slick, are you there? Yep. All right, so. I want to break down this piece with you because some of it is, is right, some of it is wrong, and I want to know where you stand. I definitely want to hear Danny's input. Uh, Danny, much like myself and, and you, you know, do a lot of work when it comes to industry stuff, whether it's cover, covering it, shitting on it, or um, just <laughs> reviewing it. It, it, it. I'm being honest. We try not to shit on it. We try not to, but we cover it, we review it, and sometimes we shit on it. That's that's just a fact of life. But in any case, I want to go through this, and I, you know, I definitely am looking forward to see, hearing uh, what Danny has to say about it. Uh, first thing was Arkham Knight's PC version is so busted it gets pulled. That was one of the first things that they found as the biggest video game disappointments of 2015. I have to agree with that. The PC version was incredibly fucked up. And it's still yeah, far from fixed. And it's true. And every time somebody starts, <clears throat> excuse me, mouthing off to me about PC Master Race, I was like, oh, really? How you enjoying that Arkham Knight right there, buddy? And then they just shut up. They sad, shut up and they get mad at me. Sad but true. I figured, you know, I figured it's one of those things where, you know, it, while it does make sense, I wanted to, to definitely acknowledge it. The other, uh, too much bragging about timed exclusive DLC. Do you agree with that? Timed exclusive DLC has is proving more and more to be a shot in the foot for the the people that get it first. Well, maybe not DLC, but timed exclusive themselves. Timed exclusive DLC, I couldn't care less about. Well, you know what it is. I think that they're leveraging that a bit too much in terms of making it a selling point. Oh, you know, buy this game and you'll get access to the map packs before everyone else. I'll be. Who gives a shit? I'm being, exactly. I'm being, I'm being dead Actually, ass. Actually, I know, I know people that will say yes, they do give a shit, but because you get the map I packs mean, I, a week I early. Feel sorry for them. You because you get the map packs a week early. Get the fuck out of here with that. Um, the order 1886 was a was a dud. The order 1886 was the biggest disappointment, Sony wise, of you know of the year because that game had so much hype behind it and. It, it's sad that I was a little bit right because I kept saying, you know, the graphics for the game and the graphics for the cutscene look the same. Like, they, they, it blends well. Right. But you can tell, you can still, especially if you play games, you can tell the diff- difference between what's cutscene and what's gameplay. And the months leading up to the release, all they were showing us were, like, cutscenes and, like, two seconds of gameplay. I'm like... That doesn't speak well for the game. Well, according to what to what Kotaku and added, it turned out just to just to, just to add to what you said, they said the finished game was a brief, thrown together mess full of repeated ideas, undercooked mechanics, and dudes with guns in place of supernatural beasts. The biggest bummer of all was the pervasive sense that this game could have been great. It could have been fantastic. I mean the the story the story was very interesting. The concept of like steampunk style, really futuristic, crazy weapons 
you know, that, that gave the feel of like, um, you know, going back to like resistance and the game should have been great. Right. Especially as, a, you know, a Sony original, because most Sony original games are great. I agree. I think I think that that was definitely a big factor there. Uh, the next one was the new 3DS gets literally two exclusive games. Uh, the new 3DS only games were a port of Xenoblade Chronicles and a port of The Binding of Isaac. Well, I mean, I don't think that's such an issue because Nintendo's always trying to move things forward. Right. And they said that I think one of the reasons why there may be only two games that you need the quote-unquote new 3DS XL for it is because of the fact that they know people aren't running out to buy it. Because okay. the DS has been out for how long now? Right. And the you know the, the even the 3DS has been out for multiple years, and the only difference between the 3DS, the, the original 3DS and the new 3DS is that one stick and, and not freaking blowing your brain up trying to look at the 3D. Well, the other thing is, was that, the... That part is great. Well, the other thing also but, was um, the Amiibo support without the dongle. Yeah, that that too. But people, I don't really see people who don't already have. Uh, let me rephrase that. I don't see people who have a 3ds running out to buy the new one. I still don't have it, and you know, I always have right. the freaking newest DS because I'm not spending another two hundred dollars on it. Even when Black Friday hit, the lowest I've seen the, the new 3ds for is one seventy five. Uh-uh. There you I'm go. I'm waiting for it to drop to at least 150 or less. Or I'm waiting for it to come out, you know, like as one of the special versions with a designed cover and cover with a game. Right. So that I'll drop some money on. Gotcha. The next item that they named as the disappointment was Metal Gear Solid 5's Story Falls Apart. They said uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, a 2015 standout and one of the best stealth games ever made could still wind up on our disappointments list. But here we are. Uh, Build as the epic final chapter in a decades-long Metal Gear saga, the Phantom Pain started strong and then took a bizarre left turn towards Nowheresville, sputtering into its final act with a collection of recycled missions and a hodgepodge of increasingly disconnected cutscenes. I feel that it's a Metal Gear game. You know shit is going to get weird. You should know this. I don't consider that a disappointment. I just consider that a misstep, not a disappointment. Well, I mean, to the only, the biggest fan, you know, in our circles that I know from Metal Gear would be Bronx. And he did say that he loved the game, but when it got to the end, he was he was disappointed with the ending. He, like, specifically said he was disappointed. Well, you know and what? this is knowing that Metal Gear is weird. I was disappointed with, what was it, the second one where he fought the guy, where he fought that version of himself that did, like, a 20-minute fucking War and Peace monologue. I'm like, yo, this is the worst shit ever. <laughs> Holy, stop talking. Shut up. It was bad, dude. And, and it, just, it, it just reinforced that the Metal Gear games are beautiful to look at, fun to play, but throw story out the fucking window. Or well, just try too hard with the story. Yeah, sometimes the story's way too involved. It's like, yo, we got it. It's a dude with an eye patch sneaking around, hiding in cardboard boxes, shooting people with trank darts, and, you know has like an army of fucking clones floating out there that look just like him. Whether they have an arm, don't have an arm, have an eye patch, don't have an eye patch, wear a tutu, don't wear a tutu, it doesn't matter. That's 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 the short version of the fucking game. 
All I know is that when they first announced the game and they showed that trailer and he was riding off, I don't know if it was the horse or the motorcycle, and the fucking humpback whale dove out of the sky on fire at him. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> the, um, the other one I'm going to agree with because they've went once too many, they've went to the woodshed one too many times with this one. Cool competitive multiplayer games can't get traction. Their statement, and I quote, Whatever the reason, overpriced games, oversaturated gamers, bad marketing, or a lack of persistent progression, it's a shame to see more and more competitive multiplayer-only games launching to some fanfare before quickly losing momentum and failing to curate a lasting community. Without enough players, it's difficult for anyone to find a full match, let alone actually enjoy the game. It happened last year with Titanfall, near the start of this year with Evolve, and we're worried it's going to happen again with newer games like Star Wars Battlefront and Rainbow Six Siege. These are fun games with plenty to offer, but if the people who make them can't figure out how to make it easy for players to start and want to continue playing, they'll peter out well before they meet their full potential. You know what? I, I definitely feel that that's, the, that that's definitely true, but I also attribute that to the laziness in not wanting to put some sort of a dedicated campaign in there. Because... Yeah, and I wanted to write a story, and we, we've said it a million times already. Yep. In the game's barely a month old. How the fuck do you make a Star Wars game with no story? Thank you. It's crazy to me. I mean, even Destiny, which I know Danny can, can vouch for this, Destiny has a story. There's multiplayer, a fuckload of it, but there's a story at play. There's something there. It's crazy to me. Like you said, a Star Wars game without a story. Which is insane. I'm just not a big fan, period, of games that require your internet connection to play. You know, it's it's just it's just craziness. You know, I, I just find it that you know you want these guys you want these guys to play these games on multiplayer for hours upon hours upon hours on end. But you got to remember, while yes, people are going to play multiplayer. If multiplayer is the only thing you're going to do once you reach that higher level. You're not going to give a shit anymore. Or if you don't have a dedicated group of people to play that game with, you're not going to give a shit anymore. Period. At least if you play the exactly. single player campaign or let, let me let me go one step further. Say you jump into multiplayer and you play that shit forever and then you get tired of multiplayer. You may turn around and go, you know what, let me let me fuck around with this campaign for a little bit and just bang it out. And that might give you a couple of days more of gameplay. And who knows? Maybe in the time that it takes to complete the campaign or not, there might be some additional enhancements, additional impro- additional improvements that'll make you want to jump back into the game. Shit's possible. But again, laziness. You can't put together a, a decent campaign for some of these games. It's, it's fucking ludicrous and laziness. And it shouldn't be $60 at that point. I was about to say that you, you beat me to it. Yep. Just because, I mean, multiplayer started when consoles were able to go online and everything, multiplayer started as a tack-on to whatever story that game has. Yep, see see Uncharted. <laughs> yep. Uncharted's a great example. Amazing single-player campaign. But then multiplayer, ladies and gents, multiplayer. Oh, no, worst case is the last Tomb Raider game. True, like, that why? one too. Why did you even do this? Yep, I agree. I can definitely agree with that. No one wants to play Tomb Raider multiplayer. Nope. No one. No one. Zero. 
the next news I'd item. Rather play Sneak King. <laughs> oh shit! Shut up. <laughs> the next news item that they posted was Nintendo tramples YouTubers. Uh, of course. This was because of Nintendo's own creator program, which required YouTubers to kiss the ring and register their videos or channels with Nintendo before sharing ad revenue with the company. Um, I think that it was I think that it was Nintendo's way of trying to offer streamers an olive branch versus just complaining to YouTube and getting your videos taken down. But it pains me to say this streaming is fucking important. It is important. You want to know why? Do you know how many times I look at the games that are for free on Xbox Live and I see who's streaming the game and I can check it out and see if I want to play it? How fucking crucial is that? Well, streaming is free advertising. Thank you. The problem that Nintendo has is that people get paid off of streaming. So what? And money from that. Yeah, but you want to know what? I mean... You got to take that shit up with YouTube, though. The coin, but it's ultimately greed. Well, listen, I, 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 you've streamed games. I stream games. Fuck, I stream this show. And the fact is that this sh- any podcast, any medium that is out there, that if you believe in the product, Nintendo already got your fucking money. If I want to stream Super Mario Maker, I should be able to stream Super Mario Maker. Why? Because I gave you $60. Or fifty dollars, or whatever the case may be. I own the game, and I agree with you. Their their logic behind it is: if you're fucking PewDiePie and making six fucking figures a year off of streaming, then they should be getting some of that money if some of the streaming that you're doing is Mario Maker. So then, why not just say, "Hey, you can't monetize Nintendo titles if you put them on YouTube. You could stream them, you could play them, but you can't monetize them." I don't know. No, I'm just... Japanese people have <laughs> fucking vending machines where you sniff people's asses. I'm not... And they really do. I've seen... <laughs> I know. I've seen them. So I've I don't s- know. I don't know what's going on in their heads. No. Let, let me let me put it this way. We, we've become, and nobody... T- 20 years ago, I never would have imagined how many people give a shit about watching other people play games. I never understood the appeal. Well, I didn't. I would never have understood the appeal back then, but I understand it now. Whether it's because you want to see a way to play the game, and maybe you're stuck in a, in a level, or maybe you just like that person's commentary on the game, or even one better, maybe it's a game that you've been on the fence about that this one human being made interesting. Listen, I've watched PewDiePie's videos. I've watched a lot of them, and I'll be honest. I watch them because, like anything else, always watch or, or, or pay attention to the people that are, that are doing, you know, that are doing it as, as best, you know, doing it better than you, to, 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 put, it, to put it in a, the short version. And the fact is, you know, the, it's, it's one of those things where when you watch these videos, you're either invested in the personality or you give a damn about the game. And these people are, in some, in some cases instrumental in you picking up the game let me tell you my wife's goddaughter watches videos of 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 a woman unwrapping kinder chocolates on youtube listen to this carefully you know you you know the kinder candy right yeah so this person is unwrapping kinder candy and when you look at the amount of people that have watched this it, it blows your mind and i guarantee you most of them are children 
And the way I see it is this is free advertising. And it's something I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Facebook and about paying money to Facebook, you know, for advertising or or to get your content seen. We, we, we don't longer need commercials, even though commercials are important for marketing when you're a big business or as much as they make you believe they are. Dude, it's 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 everything. It's the content creators that are making you give a shit. Let me tell you, I've watched. Um, uh, you, have you heard of Unbox Therapy on YouTube? No, but I, I I get what you're talking about. This guy, this guy's fucking paid, paid, dude. He does uh, incredible unboxings of you name it, and and he does reviews as well. But again, you watch them because it's like, hey. I got $2,000 in my pocket and I want to buy this camera, but I'm not sure it's going to be good. A, you buy the camera, you don't know shit about it, and you hate it, and you return it, and you got to deal with all the bullshit returning it. Or B, you do a little homework, you watch a couple of video reviews, you watch a couple, a couple of people field testing the camera, and then you'll say to yourself, hey, this is for me, or this is not for me. I think one of the reasons why we, we like to watch people play games, it's, it's not even necessarily that we want to play the game. Some, sometimes when you're the person watching versus the person playing, you actually get a better enjoyment because I think about when I was, was streaming uh, Just Cause 3 last week and it's like I was, I was attacking a base. I'm focusing on keeping this missile from blowing me the hell out of the sky. Right. But Mortis was watching it and he was like, you did this, this, and this. I was like, what? Well, here's here's one. He he saw more. He saw more of it than I did, and I'm the one playing the game. There you go. Well, here's here's one better. When you stream, are you doing commentary, or are you just streaming the game? I want to do commentary, but I, I I need to either get a different headset, or I think I think my Sony Gold headset has a cord that I can plug into the the live game of Portable. I haven't been doing commentary, but I you know I want to. Right. Well, here's here here's the thing. And and most of them, I, occasionally I do commentary. You've seen me do commentary. You've also seen games where I just put the gameplay up and fuck it. That's it. One of the biggest things about about becoming a streamer, especially those that get paid for it, or even a YouTube personality, the fact is that when you see that it's it's just like me doing this show or anybody doing any medium. It's a form of entertainment where you're harnessing existing media to make it interesting and fun for everyone else it is partially entertainment and it is partially in you know instruction but at the end of the day you're utilizing and harnessing a medium that is just ba- is is basically getting more exposure thanks to you and the reason i say this is because there are plenty of obscure games that people stream that nobody thinks about but i'm sure that the developers are grateful that somebody gives a shit about them yeah. You know, okay. like I streamed the Punisher arcade game, which I have on a main on a main modded Xbox, original Xbox. People were like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? What game is that? And I'm like, it's the Punisher arcade game. Holy shit, you're playing as Nick Fury? Yeah. Younger, younger kids that never that have never seen it, dude. Never saw it. Ever. And it was awesome to me because I got to share something from my my younger years with a new generation of gamers that who knows one day may decide to do a kickstarter campaign or may want to do their own 
develop, you know, may want to harness their own developer skills and create a game that's similar. People don't realize the the importance of some of this stuff. It's very easy to to jump on on social media and oh, you know, fucking Facebook or Twitter or this or that. It's ruining lives. It's ruining this. It's ruining that. It's also creating the future developers and content creators of tomorrow. Because I'll be honest, dude, I, I'll be honest. I, I am an anti-social motherfucker, which you would never think, but I am. I, you know, 20 or 20, 25 years ago, you could never have said, hey, dude, you're going to be in front of a camera doing a show that's watched everywhere and sharing your thoughts with an audience because you can. You know what I'm saying? And guys like PewDiePie and, and you know, guys like M- M- MKHD uh unbox therapy some of these other guys they just took the medium and made it their bitch that's it Basically. that that's really it anybody who comes out oh man you know this guy made seven million dollars it's like do you understand how many videos that fucking guy has to do how much editing he has to do how much screaming and carrying on he has to do and then hope that people like it so that they do donate well not even donate but that they click on the ads that they watch enough of the videos that the ads are there not to mention the fact that the companies are reaching out to these content creators, these influencers, which is their buzzword. And they're like, hey, play our game on your stream. It happens, dude. It is happening where companies are like, yo, we're going to send you this game. Play it on your stream next week. Love to see what people have to say. Think about it. An, an independent game developer who wants to see how people appreciate their game doesn't have to spend a bunch of fucking money on advertising and stupid commercials and shit that doesn't connect with this generation all they got to do is find some of the most prolific streamers and go listen we want to give you this game maybe toss you a couple of bucks we'd love to for you to play it on your stream and you know we'd love to get in a chat and see what people think dude that is cheaper than any focus group you can create that's that's stuff that companies pay thousands of fucking dollars for thousands to get people in there to sit in on, on to you know to play the games and see what they have to say and most times you're not getting a genuine opinion because somebody somebody's dangling a carrot uh, namely a dollar bill in front of your face right it's also true because yeah you got you're getting paid for the time and all this stuff and blah blah and, Sorry, and blah in my house. well here's a, here's a here's a here's a good example and i want to i want to i i'm i wanted to bring you on board for this game of thrones <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Our very own Slick, and I mentioned this last night, and I'm going to mention it today. Our very own Slick reviewed Game of Thrones from Telltale. Did not stream the game, but reviewed the game and said that in his opinion he felt the game was, and I quote, a rewarding experience. End quote. Well, the most rewarding Telltale game to date. Right. Well, the the but still a rewarding experience for you. Now, right. When that when that when that happened, Tell, Telltale actually quoted Slick on Twitter and share and retweeted our review across the Twitterverse, resulting in obviously a ton of people reading the review, but my phone getting countless tweets of people pretty much saying that you were full of shit <laughs> and that it wasn't rewarding because you know your house got burned down, your family got killed, X, Y, and Z. And the funny thing about it is that if you would have taken two minutes to read said review, you would have realized that you were 
talking about the experience being rewarding as a whole, as in the game being completely rewarding for you. Not the plot, not what the fuck the game was about, but just the fact that you, Slick, played the game and felt that it was a rewarding experience from a Telltale game. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong because, I mean, what it really was is the fact that as much as I enjoy Telltale games, you get to a point in the game, anybody who's played it knows, uh, a Telltale game knows, you get to a point you got to make choices. Right. And while certain people may disappear from the game or die or whatever, because of your choices, overall it doesn't change how the story progresses. Right. Now, this is going to be a little bit spoilerish, but the game's been out long enough that anybody who really cares has already played it. In Game of Thrones, first of all, Anybody bitching to me that, you know, it's not rewarding because everybody dies, it's fucking Game of Thrones. It's not <laughs> going to be, it's not going to be the new day. You're not going to have rainbows and unicorns and shit. Nope. No, sir. I agree. Aside- and, and while it's true, a lot of people that you, you have to, that, that you're responsible for in that game do die. One of them, you actually, I mean, my, I personally actually chose to die because the option was, get my head cut off or be literally be your bitch for the rest of my life. I was like, cut the fucking head off. There you go. The thing, the thing that, uh, that, that trip, that tripped me out and, and Lucha Lee says it. So he, he said, sounds like the only people, the only one out of those people who actually read the article was telltale. And I, I responded sad, but true. The fact is that had you streamed that game and, and given commentary and said, Hey, you know, I thought this game was incredibly rewarding. Because I felt it was a fun experience. Just as a gamer. Just a generic statement. I would be curious to see if the results would be the same. And the reason I say this is because Twitter, much like all other social media platforms, it's easier to only read the byline and and base your opinion off a byline or a headline than to actually invest in reading words. And this is just an evolution of... This is just an evolution of how we consume content. And it's funny because... Uh, a buddy of mine reached out to me and he goes, you know what? Have you ever thought of just doing all your reviews as videos instead of words? And I'm like, why? And he goes, dude, I love you to death. But if I'm trying, I'm trying to see what you think of the game. It's like, I got to scroll down halfway through to read it. And I said, you know what? Fuck you. Cause sometimes it's easier to convey what I feel in words. And he, he, his response was, yeah, but emotions are just better to see. With regards to a game, you can throw words on a pay on a screen, or you can throw words on a, on a piece of paper. And sure, you may want them to come off a certain way, but people may look at it and be like, "Eh, you know, whatever." And it it made me think, and it was funny because I said to Danny uh, offline, I said to her, "I'm like, you know, I'm reviewing a, an item, and I'm considering doing a, a a video review in addition to a written one." And she was pretty much like, "Yo, do what you want to do," but. The, the the fact is that it's just the evol it's the evolution of how people are consuming content and it's funny because Gary Vaynerchuk said in a show in one of his episodes of 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 Ask Gary V he says how many people get annoyed when the fucking phone rings like the, your primary communication device how many people get annoyed when the phone rings slick you've been out with me in person. How annoyed do I get when my phone rings? 
I mean, it's a little bit different because you're eating. But right. No, I no, no. Because I get annoyed with the phone rings. Ex- it's like we don't even type anymore. Hey, how do you feel? Poop with eyes. <laughs> right? Oh, you know me. I, I, I don't use I, right. I use them, but, but I, only, I only use them at the end of a sentence. No, no, no. But Not but you see what I'm one. saying. Do you see what I'm saying? Even Even our own methods of communication have evolved. And the people that were complaining about this article, and the re- and that's where I'm bringing this full circle, it's like, would they have reacted the same had you streamed the game or done a video review of the game? Would the opinion have been the same? Or is it because they're, they're only leveraging what Telltale quoted and didn't even read the fucking review, like Lucha Lee just said? It's crazy, right? It is, but what, what you said, I actually have some contention with it like i don't i don't agree with what the guy said to you and i think our methods of communication have actually devolved because people aren't typing they use these stupid fucking emojis and people aren't reading to say that you can't put emotion on page is bullshit because long before we had movies very we had good books 100 percent. and even now when movies come out people will say the book was better 100 percent you saw the emotions on screen, but you enjoyed the book more because right. those are the people who actually read the shit and people just don't read. Well, that, that, that it's funny because there was, there was a, um, there, there was an article that was, that was shared on, uh, on social media about, um, recreating what Jesus looks like. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole, I'm not going to get into a, the, uh, into a theological discussion, but, it, when you looked at it, you're like, yeah, that doesn't look like any picture I've ever seen. And that's just because motherfuckers read what was in a book and illustrated what he looked like, which is on paper, documented, exactly. right? Right. <laughs> and, and I only well, say that. There's this long history of a, of a picture that looks totally different right. from what's written in the book. They don't believe the book anymore. Very good. I figured I, I'd, I'd... Even the fake picture is based on. There you go. Which which is a separate story, like I said. Um let me let me get things back on track. Um going back to this article, uh Silent Hills cancellation was another disappointing uh was another disappointing moment due to, you know, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro's collaboration and the game just being canceled. Also, the 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 game PT was pretty much eradicated on most servers. There was actually an article I saw today where it's, you know, it's not official, it's not legit, but there is a way to get that, that I guess it's a tech demo since it's not a demo of Silent Hill. Right. But to, to get it if you want it. There you go. But it's just it's just crazy. Yeah, that was definitely uh, a disappointing moment, I have to agree. Uh, Konami as a whole <laughs> was a disappointing moment, according to this article. Good God, Konami fucked, fucked up this year. It's not like they haven't been they haven't ever fucked up in past years, but these guys completely drove the bus off the cliff. <laughs> so yeah. yeah uh, the, Konami, Konami really screwed the pooch this year. Uh, another another disappointing moment, uh the disappearance of Phantom Dust. Yes, no, still there? I I'm not so I'm not familiar enough with the subject of Phantom Dust, so I can't really say. Well, it was scheduled but to if be people loved it then. Well, no, what happened was it was scheduled to be a, a a reboot that just as soon as it came out, was shown in E3 2014, it just disappeared completely. 
Um, there's this whole big behind the scenes story that goes with it that just shows that the the project was doomed from the start, even though the game was was something that was on everyone's radar. I remember when the demo was showcased at E3 2014, and people were like, "Oh, that shit looks pretty crazy," and then it was just like poof, it disappeared. I never really chased the story myself for that game because I haven't really been invested in RPGs in, su- in such a long time. But I remember people that I knew personally were like, wow, that looked pretty awesome. Or people that went to E3 in 2014 were like, damn, that looks pretty dope. I want to check it out. Um, Phantom Dust, Danny, by uh, Darkside Games, That it was a reboot. It um it was showcased at E3. I, I remember it now that I'm looking at images of it. Right. Because I saw, like... Um, games that have been canceled. There was like a, a, a top 10 list and everything. And they were saying that it, it hadn't been canceled, but then what they showed wasn't what the game was supposed to be. And then it's just really fallen off the radar completely at this point. Right. The next disappointing moment they tossed out there was PC gamers get the worst Final Fantasies. This year, the PC got new versions of Final Fantasy 5 and 6. So... I don't think that's a disappointment. I mean, nope, I don't either. People regard Final Fantasy VI much higher than Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where you know it's it's um you know that that I feel was just opinion. Uh, The next item they had was no Red Dead Redemption anywhere, and they were like, we don't need them to announce a new Red Dead Redemption game, but we'd love to see Red Dead Redemption at least be ported to PC and current gen consoles. You know what? I need to cut in. Go ahead. Because one of the biz- biggest disappointments, not of 2015, because finally it seems to be moving away from it, but of the new generation is all the fucking remakes. No, we don't <laughs> need a fucking remake of Red Dead Redemption. And I, I, I'm acknowledging that the game is fantastic. We do not fucking need a remake of it. The game's not that old. The, um, I was going to say earlier that it's great that we're starting to move towards new games, that companies to start to take risks again and, and introduce new IPs. They're not even doing sequels. They're doing new IPs. Right. Well, in addition to that, to add to that, no single-player Grand Theft Auto expansions. And I, I, this is why I needed you here, because they said several people on our staff really like GTA Online when we can find time to play. It can be good for a laugh. Some of the new modes are fun, and the heists they added earlier this year are often brilliant. But that doesn't mean we stop wanting single-player DLC for GTA 5. Rockstar's two episodic expansions for GTA 4 were terrific. We were all very excited to see what else they, they could do in Los Santos, but it just didn't happen in 2015. No announcements, no news, and definitely no new San Andreas adventures. Thoughts? Well, according to Rockstar Games, they're making a shitload of money off of the shark cards. Right. They're, they're making they're making money off of the online, right? And if they're making money off of the online, they even though they did release a brand new update this week on Tuesday, um, they, there's no reason to even look into to um, expanding the the story mode. The story was complete. I mean, could you do more with it? Absolutely. But they they made a complete story, which as you know, I played through multiple times, right? And what do you call it? People just want the ballad of gay Tony. That That's what they want. They want shit like that. You know, they want shit like the ballad of gay Tony and, and all those other games. And that's fine. But you know what it is? It's like, yo, GTA five eclipsed the expectations of, of veteran GTA players 
and new GTA players because it was a complete experience. It's it's crazy. It's like I understand. Not even that. Go ahead. As long as it took to get out heist. Right. And heist have you know a bit it, it is a bit of a story mode because it's involving the story characters a lot they they said that it took so much time and effort into that that they're not going to make any more heist content they specifically said they're not because it was a pain in the ass just getting out the the four or five missions that they did make and if they had that much trouble making heist content the fuck makes you think they're going to make more story content? There if anything, they're, they're working on Grand Theft Auto 6. Because if, if I look at the timeline between 4 and 5, me personally, I'm kind of expecting to see some kind of announcement from from um, Rockstar in 2016, and it'll be regarding Grand Theft Auto 6. If they won't, it probably wouldn't come out until 2018, but they would probably announce it next year. Okay. Their next disappointment... Their next uh, disappointing moment was Fallout 4 doesn't quite set the world on fire. They write, and I quote, It's not that Fallout 4 was bad or even mediocre. It was really cool, admirably open-minded, fun to explore and mess around with, and sometimes even unforgettable. But there was still something disappointing about it. Some combination of the dated engine, the awful animations, the same old shonky performance issues, the stripped-down role-playing and dialogue systems, the well-meaning but ultimately frustrating main storyline, and the hair-tearingly wretched user interface. Fallout 4 is an exceptional game in a lot of ways, but for many of us, its sharpest qualities are often dulled by a thin gauze of discontent. I don't know, man. That just comes off really fucking bitter. It does, but it does have some, some, um, some truth in it. I mean, I'm not shitting on Fallout at all. I, I, I don't have the game because of, you know, the shit that Bethesda's going through with, with the release. I chose not to buy it. I, I'm not going to support it, but I'm not saying it's a bad game. Right. But, I mean, you could tell that it was using the same formula as Fallout 3 and everything. And, again, that's not saying a bad thing at all. <laughs> Excuse me. But... It's like they even said it's, it's, you know, in the same world, just in a different locale. What did you really expect? Yep. I just felt that was a little bit of I sour still grapes. Think that they pushed the game, I still think that they pushed the game forward versus what Fallout 3 was. And, you know, from the people I know who are playing it, they're freaking, they're like a pig in shit. They're happy as hell playing it. Well, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I have no problem with it. I mean, the game has, you know, critical acclaim across the board from numerous publications, numerous reviewers, and it's not it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows for fucking everyone. But you can't ignore the fact that the amount of people playing it that actually enjoy the experience is pretty fucking high. I just feel that they went a little too overboard with their with their gripe about it. I mean, the next thing I want to mention, they said that Halo 5's story mode is a big wet noodle. And um I I I don't disagree. I felt that with with a deep mythology and a, and a deep universe like Halo has become, the story could have been a lot better. I'll be the first to say that. But I think it was just, hey, we're gonna make this game look as beautiful as possible, and we're gonna we're gonna phone it in on the story, which is crazy because the Halo universe and the expanded universe have some really really rich content that could have been leveraged better in these games and unfortunately they all their big selling point was hey look at this awesome multiplayer 
this is an instance where they really tried to promote the single player, but the multiplayer is what made the game shine. Well, you know, it's obvious that I haven't played that game because I've I've said on multiple occasions I do not own an Xbox One. Right. But I can still chime in on this. And Danny said, man, <laughs> it's pretty obvious what the problem is. And she can attest. She can. Danny's opinion is legit. She can attest. While Halo itself is a Microsoft-owned IP, Halo is Bungie's baby. Right. And Bungie doesn't make Halo anymore. Right. So guess what? You have... Someone who is not invested in Halo making Halo. Right. And that's why you're getting a phoned-in story mode. True. I could I agree with that. It's just like, if it, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Everybody knows that I'm a big fan of Dead Island. Yep. Dead Island is, you know, Deep Silver's IP. But Dead Island 1 and Dead Island 2 were made by Techland. So, sorry, Dead Island um, Riptide. Dead Island 2 is being made by, I forgot the name of the freaking company. But um, Dead Island 2 is not being made by Techland, the people that made the first two games. Right. And you can tell from the trailer that they showed, if you even remotely play Dead Island or Dead Island Riptide, that it's not the same, it's not the same vibe as the original games. They're making it comical and funny and all this shit. And I'm like, that's not Dead Island. Nope, definitely not. I, could not, I can't see Dead Island 2. And that's, again, I'm not going to say that it's bad because the game's not out, if it ever does come out. But And I, I, I said it multiple times. If you want Dead Island 2, go buy Dying Light. Pretty much. You did say that. It's made by Techland, and it has the... You know, the, the kind of vibe that the original Dead Island games had. And, you know, it really pushed that type of gameplay forward. Right. So you, you couldn't expect the, the same. If you were a big time Halo fan, you couldn't expect the same type of thing from the story that you got from what? Halo 1, 2, and 3. Yep. Or did Bungie work on 4? I, I'm not sure. I know 1, 2, and 3 for sure. Because I played one, two, and three, but I'm not sure for four. I think I think four was the first main title that they they didn't do, and like the other ones, like um, Reach and everything, they didn't do. Right. But that's what I'm saying. You you can't. It's, it, it's a new company, so it's like a new comic book writer. So it's going to go a different direction. It's not it's not going to be the same thing that you used to. Right. You either gonna, are going to accept that, or you're going to move on to something else. Right. I agree. The um the last disappointment was Valve and Bethesda blow their paid mods experiment, which I think you kind of referenced. Um, Valve's first go at a paid modding marketplace aided by Skyrim Skyrim developer Bethesda was a serious misfire. The whole initiative seemed half thought out, and there were so many questions raised, questions that apparently had no good answers, that Valve and Bethesda shut the service down less than a week after starting it. So definitely, I, I can see that being a disappointment for sure. Um Overall, I feel that the that the that the piece that that Kotaku pulled out um, was one of those things where they 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 hit a couple of things spot on, and then a couple of things felt like sour grapes. Now, with that said, and we'll use this to kind of bring bring everything full circle into a close. What did you feel for you personally was the biggest disappointment gaming wise of 2015? Uh, one of them definitely it, it goes back to me not having an Xbox One. Uh, no, 
No hide a hair mention of Left for Dead Three. Okay, I feel... just, just mentioned Val for one thing. Right. It's like where the fuck is this game? Okay, I'll give you that. I feel that my biggest disappointment was the fact that PlayStation, that Sony with their deep catalog, opted to create another paid service to let you play PS2 and PS1 games instead of just finding a way to leverage it as as backwards compatible. I felt that that was a misstep where they just figured that they could just create another service that people could jump on board with. And I I really can't can't say that I know anyone who's personally paid for that service. Is it a service or are they just offering the games for purchase on the store? No, so it's, a, it's a service. It's a service for PS1 and PS2 titles. Uh, PS1, PS2, and PS3 titles that you can rent. It's almost like a rental service. Oh, so it's still PS, it's still PS now? Yes. And that's exactly what, to, go, right. to go with what Danny just said, why do you have to pay to play the backlog? Here's, let me go one better. Why can I not buy a PS2 game, any game for that matter, and, um, Put a uh, put a game in and have a patch download of some sort, and I'm able to play it. And I'm able to just play the game. I'm not even talking about digital shit, but um, I'm talking about being able to to buy a game and any game. Like I said, PS1, PS2, PS3, put it in the hardware. It says, you know, PS1 game detected, PS2 games detected, downloading, you know, patch or emulation patch or whatever. And then you just play the game. I'm not even talking about digital shit. Like like Danny just said, like Xbox does. Just put the game in and play the shit. Well, this is where a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and I'm going to get the asshole label. First and foremost, regarding PlayStation and Xbox, I have either all my consoles or the ability to play them, you know, from another console. So backwards compatibility is not a big deal to me. And... I'm saying it again, I said it earlier in that list, but Xbox announcing backwards compatibility two years after the console came out, it's a fucking crutch. It's a crutch because... The, You're the too far away from your mic. As well as they want them to. And if, if, it can, if it can suddenly do it two years later, it could have did it when the thing launched. Slick, if slick, mentioned it when slick, the console launched, slick. You're uh, too far away from your mic. I'm sorry. What about now? <laughs> That's substantially better. I, I thought you were calling me from a cave in, in fucking Bin Laden's hideout. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that the um, the backwards compatibility being announced at E3 was a fucking crutch. Because if it can do it two years after the console came out, it could have done it day one. Had you mentioned it day one, it, it, would, be some, it would be something to be excited about. But you, you did it two years later. Right. And you're resting on this this crutch instead of making new games. Well, here's the thing. You I, got games that were announced before the freaking Xbox One even came out. That right. Still aren't out. Okay. But where I, are these where are these fucking games? I don't care about the fucking Xbox three sixty games. Give me new games so I have interest in the console and buy the console. Well here's the I don't need backwards compatibility because guess what my xbox 360 is in my bedroom collecting dust it hasn't been turned on in two years well i'll tell you i'll tell you why i partially agree with you and i disagree i partially agree because if the system had the capability to do it from the jump then it should have i have no arguments there 
I do feel that they kind of shelved it and they opted to just work on it later on and, and improve it and launch it, which again, make of it what you will, whether it was right or wrong, fine. My issue is the fact that you go, you tell somebody, hey, here's this brand new console. It's backwards compatible. It's easier to get people to jump on board new a new console knowing that they can at least get rid of their hardware and still finish that backlog of games they got. You get what I'm saying? Again, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be new games. I don't disagree with you. But I also feel that when you're putting out new consoles while the other console's life cycle is still, you know, petering to a to a close, the fact is that there's still games people haven't played. And there's also games that are relevant that people still may not have played either because they were too expensive or because they might have not been on sale or whatever the case may be. Hell, I had games that I picked up that were still in plastic that I just didn't have time to play. Had I sold my 360, I would have been like, shit, you know, I got to, how am I going to play these again? I'm not, I'm not advocating that it's right or wrong. I'm just advocating that if the, if the capabilities are there and the people own the hardware, why do we need six black boxes under our TV when we can just have two? You get what I'm saying? Part of it is that, you know, you you have supposedly new technology, the the older technology is not going to work. I mean, if you take one of the, the big, you know, buzzwords this year is Final Fantasy VII. If you take a, a PC version of Final Fantasy VII and try to put it in your PC running Windows 10 right now, it's not going to work. Right. Unless you have some kind of emulator, you know, that you downloaded, which is not part of Windows, but, you know, just straight up legit Windows, it will not work. It's the same, you know, basic concept. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Shit, I lost my thought for a second. Well, to to to, but, um, to bring it ahead. no to bring it home and let you gather your thoughts. Where where I stand on it is as follows: the PS4 was put out right around, you know, while the PS3 was still cranking out decent titles. But point blank, you could have allowed at minimum, at minimum, partial compatibility for the for titles that were released within the last year. That way, people would have been like, hey, all right, I'll sell my PS3 and buy a PS4 because I still got a backlog of games, you know, or at least, you know, a predetermined list of games I could still fuck with. Same thing with the 360. Don't make it seem like we need to keep this hardware. I mean, even Nintendo, little by little as their systems came out, yes, they started losing some backwards compatibility, but they were still compatible with all the other shit. Now I remember what I was going to say. Shoot. The, um... And that it's going back to the backwards compatibility on the Xbox One. The 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 moment the Xbox One hit stores, right? Microsoft basically basically abandoned the 360. The only reason why there were still games coming out for it is because people were developing for it and you right. know didn't want to start over for the Xbox One. Right. But now it's getting to that point where people are only developing for the new console. Right. Nobody's really making shit for the 360 anymore. And that's fine. Meanwhile, the PS3, no, it's not. Because of that investment that you mentioned. But meanwhile, the PS3 still has plenty of games coming out. And guess what? That, that excuse me, those four words that everybody laughed at back in 2005 are coming full circle. Ten-year life cycle. The PS3 is... Is it 2005? I think it is 2000. The PS3 is ten years old now. Okay. And it's still being supported. 
You remember the PS2, the last published game for PS2 came out two years ago. Okay. The PS2 came out in 2001. All right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this food for thought, and we can, we can wrap with this. If you buy a Blu-ray player, just, just a plain Blu-ray player, that Blu-ray player plays Blu-rays, DVDs. Fuck, it even plays CDs. Plays them all. Now, again, it, there's, no, there's no special software that says, hey, you can't play a CD or you can't play a DVD. It just does the shit. Now, if you can, pl- if you can pop a game into a system and you need a software patch to play it or whatever, an emulator to play it, why, why is that such a difficult thing to fathom as a company? Now, I'm not saying, again, I've never said it's right or wrong or, or you know, we're going to have a, 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 you know, a dick measuring contest about it. But the fact is that if you can buy a DVD of a Blu-ray player in 2015 that still plays all of that shit, why can that not be applied the same way? And, of course, the, the, main, the main reasoning is software. But if you can add backwards compatibility to the Xbox One now because you felt like it, why couldn't you do it then? You see what I'm saying? You could buy an H. Here's a, here's a better one. You can buy a 4K compatible Blu-ray player, which I've seen. I've even seen 4K compatible Blu-rays. And in the listing for the product, it says capable of playing 4K Blu-rays, capable of playing HD, you know, regular Blu-rays, DVDs, and CDs. Each will be handled accordingly. Some systems even go as far as up converting, um, regular standard blu-rays to 4k and up converting dvds to 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 blu-ray quality the technology is out there i just feel that they opted to just say ah fuck it let them keep four boxes under their home theater whatever and yes there's some of us like you like me like some so many others that keep all our systems or at least a bulk of them but if you my ps3 was backwards compatible with my ps2 i sold that motherfucker why? Because I still play PS2 games. Hell, I've streamed a few games. You get what I'm saying? Well, I kept my PS2 in part because my original PS2 freaking died trying to play Gran Turismo 4. So I actually wound up buying a PS2 not long before the PS3 came out. Right. So there was no reason for me to get rid of a brand new PS2 just and that's the fine. PS3 came out. And that's fine. You know what I mean, dude? That's totally fine. But... The PS3 had the backwards compatibility at the time because I know how you are. Yours has to have it, and if it does, well, it wasn't even that. I, you know, I was an early adopter. Right. I didn't know that they were gonna take it out of the the PS3 at some point because I got it when it first came out. Right. I just again, I just go back to the to the to the Blu-ray argument of of what I said before. You know, if you can pick up a Blu-ray off a shelf, the from a from a high end one to a cheap one, and you can still play old shit on it. The rules of engagement are still the same. It's still a it's still it's still a laser reading a disc. It's the software, and I'm sorry to say you're talking about systems with 500 gigs, one terabyte drives that you can upgrade to. Why can the emulation software not exist? Why can it not be a patch? So many whys and no real legitimate answers. Oh, we just felt that the technology was in its infancy. Bullshit. Well, that's all I'm saying. My. I, again, I'm, I, I guess I'm a devil's advocate in this one. But and that's it, fine, it dude. That's fine. To what I, it goes back to what I've said many times, and it's, it's also the reason why backwards compatibility came out of the PS3. But 
what do you call it? Um, customers. It's money. Their pockets. Yeah, it's money. Essentially, money. told Sony they don't give a fuck about black backwards compatibility. I know. And when they took it out and dropped the price, the PS3 started selling. Right. So with that logic, if I were Sony, I wouldn't put it in the PS4 either. Yeah, it, it, you know what it is, man. It's just because they they. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I just find that tough to stomach, only because you took you took your you made a service out of it. Oh no, I'm not. I mean, you I'm see not what I'm saying? That. I, I feel like they could just put them in the store for, you know, ten bucks or something. Thank you. Because let, to, to answer that, I, I thought they would just put it in the store. I wasn't really following it. Yep. But um, to address that, if it were in the store and people were like, "Well, why are you charging us for it again?" How many times have you fucking bought Super Mario Brothers? Yep, and and that's and that's exactly it. That's fine, and that's what I mean. If you would have said to me, "Hey, you're a PS4 owner." Do you want to buy the bouncer? <laughs> you know, buy the bouncer, fifteen bucks. Wow. You know, and and that's why I went super obscure, super early release. You know, you want to buy the bouncer, ten bucks, twelve bucks, whatever it is. Hey, you got the option to buy it, or you have the option to not buy it. But the fact is that it's choice. Like, hey, if I want to own that particular game, if I want to play Toll Ball Number One on my fucking PS4, I should. I should be able to do that. I should be able to either go onto the PlayStation Store or if I have the disc, slap it in there and 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 play it. Simple as that. I shouldn't need I shouldn't need some fifty dollar a month service for that shit. I'm sorry, but no. I, I mean I definitely agree with that. But, that's um... all I'm saying. Like like my, my, my issue and that's a big disappointment for me because Sony created a complete fucking service, dude. A service with a subscription out of it. Instead of just saying, hey, we're going to put our entire PS1, PS2, and PS3 back catalog on the PlayStation Store, buy what you want, have a nice day, like Nintendo does. But then, you see, it goes back to what we always say. If you don't like it, don't buy I'm it. not talking to you, I'm talking to everyone. Yep. Don't fucking pay for it. Yep, I Guess didn't pay what? for it. That service will shut down. Yep. That service will shut down and something else will come out in its place. I agree. try something else. I agree 10,000%, dude. I saw it and I was, as soon as I read what it had and how they did it and the rental policy, I'm like, the rental policy? I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, either I buy the game or I don't. If I want to rent, it's called Gamefly. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that was, that was you know, our biggest disappointment. Um, last, last things to wrap things up. Your, your, high, your, high ra- your highest rated recommendation for gamers in 2015. Game peripheral or console, well, console you've already established in the buyer's guide, but uh, one game or one peripheral you want to throw out there to close out 2015. One game? One. Oh, I'm giving you, <laughs> you got, you got that's one. That's really hard. That, that, hey, hey, we did a buyer's guide. We can't give them all, we can't give them all the answers. <laughs> Can I do three? No, one. I mean, I guess I'd have to say which of three. There you go. S- solid choice. I game mean, of the, the year. To keep you going for a, a long ass, not even because it was game of the year, it's just it, it'll keep you going for a long ass time, and there's still more coming. There you go. I would go Batman Arkham Knight. Um, amazing game, stellar, start to finish, um, with with an asterisk because if you haven't got it for a cheap price or got a deal on it, a game of the year version is all but certain. Simple as that. 
yeah, I could never put that out there as the one thing just because of all the bullshit that that was pulled by Warner Brothers with yeah. Arkham Knight. No, so. I, no, I understand, but I'm excluding DLC and, like I said, with a big asterisk. <laughs> it's like if you find you. if you find a game for twenty five bucks, dude, between now and Christmas, play that shit. You know, <laughs> play it because even if you pay twenty five and you sell it for fifteen three months from now, you're still ahead of the game. Because the game of the year edition will come out and it won't be, it won't be terrible because you're still going to get your money's worth. I can agree with that. There you go. It's, and, it's all a, it's all a waiting game, and you know they don't announce anything because they don't want people to not buy it. <laughs> Absolutely, it'll, it'll pop up out of nowhere. It will, like, dude. They'll announce it either a week or like the day it comes out. Dude, it's a it's it's the equivalent of a video game RKO, <laughs> right out of nowhere. <laughs> Straight up. True that. There you go. Anything else you wanted to add? I'm I'm really looking forward to 2016. There are a lot of good games coming out, and like at least as far as what was announced, there's a lot of games coming out early in 2016, starting with with January. So it's it's looking like I I, I was not hugely positive gaming wise coming into 2015. And that was because of all the fucking double dipping. Yeah. But that, it, it burned away a lot. And <clears throat> a lot of original titles came out and everything. And now the the games that are coming out, there's a lot less double dipping coming out. And a lot of, even even games that maybe are not new, but just like Japan has been shafting us and wait, waiting forever to send it over here. Because there's games like Yakuza 5 and Yakuza 0 coming out, which has been out in Japan for a while already. Right. But it's just, it seems like we're finally getting to the point where our games for these new consoles are coming. Right. The only other thing that I, I, I can hope for is that, and in this case, it does matter, like games specifically for Xbox One, new games, not fucking backwards compatible <laughs> games. Right. Come out so that I actually go and buy one this year. All It'd right. be nice to actually be excited to get an Xbox One this year, and I'm speak- speaking for myself. All right, fair enough. I look forward to 2016. I think we're we got a lot of stuff on on the horizon, and I'm looking forward to breaking it down on future episodes of MTR in 2016. Definitely, thank you for the assist, dude. Exactly. Thank you for thank you for all the work, man, that you've done and all the work that's still to come <laughs> before the year is out. I I, uh, I appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners and readers do as well. Oh, I'm sorry. There's, there's one more thing, because you did mention it. I was going to say it, but... um, What are you, Steve Jobs? Talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. Um, Tuesday, uh, episode four of Minecraft Story Mode is, is coming out. Right. And... You know, unless something crazy happens and I don't get home from working time, I, I am planning to live stream that on the on the Rageworks fan page. Awesome. Looking forward to it. If possible, I'll do commentary. Nice. Definitely get with me to try and set that up so we can we can walk through a, a good way for you to do that. Okay. But one way or another, like there will be, you know, a player in the fan page, so People don't have to go around the world looking for it, and it, it'll be on the, the RageWorks fan, uh, Facebook fan page. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure many of our listeners will as well. 
I'm guessing around 7 p.m. Eastern time. All right. We'll definitely try and get that out there once once we, we iron it down. Once we iron it out, excuse me. All right, man. All right, brother. As always, thank you for all your help, and uh, I'll see you in 2016. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. All right. That was our very own Slick uh, contributing to this week's gaming segment. Uh, ran a little long, but um, it's year-end. You know how it goes. We want to give you guys the best content and commentary possible, and um, I think it was definitely a fitting way to close it out. Uh, let's switch gears and jump into this week's entertainment segment. Quite a bit to discuss, and we will wrap it up for 2015. So let's get to it and talk some entertainment. I want to open up this week's entertainment segment by letting you guys know that by by Christmas time, you're going to have an extra special gift courtesy of Wade Wilson, and that is a brand new Deadpool trailer. Uh, Fox has gone on record as saying that a new trailer will be out just in time for Christmas, so keep it locked to RageWorks.net for that trailer as soon as it is available. On the box office side of things, The Hunger Games secured its number one slot for the fourth straight week. Um, Of course, that will change, and let me rephrase that, that has already changed with Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is already making incredible amounts of money. We're going to get into that later on in the segment. Anyway, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 was number one this past weekend at the box office. In the Heart of the Sea was number two. The Good Dinosaur was number three. Creed was four. Krampus was five, Spectre was six, The Night Before was seven, The Peanuts movie was eight, Spotlight was number nine, and Brooklyn came in at number ten. As I said, Star Wars Force Awakens is now in theaters, and I'm sure that one will be number one by a landslide when it's all said and done this weekend. (laughs) No, I did not say the penis movie slick, I said the Peanuts movie. (laughs) Smartass. Anyway, in some Transformer news, Mark Wahlberg has confirmed that he is bringing his Boston accent to the fifth installment of Michael Bay's Transformers series. Uh, Not sure if Michael Bay is coming back to the director's chair, but we now know that Wahlberg has confirmed that he will be coming back as Cade Yeager. I'll be honest when I say that I could give two shits about Mark Wahlberg's character in that movie or in the previous installment. He was really a non-factor. It's, hey, look, Mark Wahlberg, a jacked-up old guy holding a gun. Great. Hey, look, space gun. It didn't... It, let, me, let me explain something to you about the human element in Transformers. Not necessary. I understand you want to have, like, the liaison between the human race and the Transformers, and that's fine. But the fact that the bulk of that story was you know, a daughter with daddy issues and, and her Irish speaking boyfriend and Mark Wahlberg. And it was, it was, it was too much. It was too much of the unnecessary human subplot that took away from what could have been a stellar film with Galvatron's involvement and lockdown and, you know, the dino bots. I mean, there were definitely a lot of flaws in that film. I make, I make no excuses for it. There were a ton of flaws, but the human element 
really detracted from it because again anything involving autobots decepticons it's 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 pretty easy to write it's trying to create that human element that is always tough and it just does not translate wow microphone popped up out of nowhere uh it does not translate well to film that's that's how i feel about it i don't think i don't think it works i don't think that it's it's right to depend on the human element on the contrary, I think that it's a it's a really really big detriment. And hearing the hearing Mark Wahlberg say, "Yeah, I'm coming back for the fifth one," I was just like, "Yeah, that's going to be the segments that I will be fast forwarding through on the home theater release." Simple as that. On the reboot side of things, the Xena Warrior Princess reboot is moving forward. I talked about this a couple of weeks back. A uh, variety reports that Javier Grillo, uh, Mark Satch, will be doing si- who wrote six episodes of Lost. And was a supervi- will be ser- and served as a supervising producer on Loss, will be writing the pilot script and will executive produce the new series. Sam Raimi, uh, excuse me, Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert are both involved in the reboot, and of course, there will be a new Warrior Princess that has yet to be cast. Of course, the original Xena series ran from 1995 to 1999 and was surprisingly enjoyable. I remember that. I started watching Xena as Hercules and the legendary journey started winding down. Uh, Kevin Zorbo at his best, ladies and gents. And um, I said to myself, you know what? Let me give this this Xena show a shot. And it was it was an incredible show. A lot of great action. Really awesome subplots. Uh, really great chemistry between the leads. Uh, Bruce Campbell as the King of Thieves was always awesome to see. Um and just just really, really solid, solid storytelling at the time. Uh, Slick says, no reason they cannot use Lucy Lawless. I don't disagree, but I know that you could probably in- involve Lucy Lawless, and I, and I know she's expressed interest, but I wouldn't mind seeing a younger actress, but just acknowledging or utilizing you, Lucy Lawless in some capacity would be key. Um, I'm not saying it should be like a mother-daughter dynamic, but I definitely feel that Lucy Lawless, her... Her contributions to the role are are too large to ignore. I don't know if it's a series that's going to work. I think that launching it on NBC, which is a network that pulls the plug on things very, very quickly, is not the right direction to go in. I think that if you wanted to do something, I would go, I would go cable-wise. Slick says, Robert Downey Jr. is 50, but he is Iron Man. That's exactly it. Robert Downey Jr.'s job is to stay skinny and athletic. And, and be able to deliver witty one-liners. The suit is done. The, the CGI of the suit is is its own thing. I think that Lucy Lawless, for as as attractive as she is and, and as in shape as she still is, I just feel that if you're going to craft a new narrative, at least acknowledge her involvement or bring her in in some capacity. That's all I'm saying. I think that that at least is, is a solid direction. I mean, even even the Supergirl TV series utilized you know dean kane and helen slater and and has tried its best to acknowledge some you know and give parts to actors that were a huge part of those other series now do i think that they're being utilized correctly that's up for interpretation but i do i do feel that that's probably one of the shows that the flash uh the flash does a really good job utilizing cast members from the previous show i mean John Wesley Shipp, who played the original Flash in the TV series, plays Barry Allen's father on this series. So 
again, you know, it's something that's very cool to see. Um, I'd like it to go in that direction with, with the Xena reboot. I don't know if that's what they're going to utilize, but that's something that I personally wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem with. But again, it's all about writing and the lead, the lead actress definitely has to be someone capable of delivering a very physically demanding performance. So once I get an air date and some casting news, you know, I will make sure to let you guys know that as well. Now, it wouldn't be an end-of-the-year entertainment edition of My Take Radio without some what-the-fuck movie news. So, you guys are well-versed and are well aware of the G.I. Joe cinematic universe. It is, a, it is a universe that has been established in the last two films and that now has a third film on the horizon. Well, that universe, ladies and gents, is about to get a lot bigger. Hasbro has announced that they're creating an interconnected film universe that will incorporate five classic toy properties. You hear that? Five. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, G.I. Joe, and what? Well, the and what is what gets a little crazy. You got G.I. Joe, which is fine. You got Mask, which I talked about in in a previous installment that was going to be introduced into the G.I. Joe series. You know, you could take it or leave it, but that you could make it work. But here's where it starts getting crazy. Micronauts is going to be tied into the G.I. Joe universe. Visionaries is going to be tied into the G.I. Joe cinematic universe. And last but not least, oh, was that Blog Talk Radio doing the call drop? Why, yes, yes, it was. Hold on a second, guys. Welcome to Blog To start your show now. Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Ah, what a wonderful way to close out 2015 with Blog Talk Radio doing another call drop. Uh, the funny thing is that they're the first ones that'll be like, hey, why don't you use more of our services? Well, when the calls drop out at least once a night, it's a big problem. Anyway. As I was saying, so they're going to bring into the cinematic universe Micronauts, Visionaries, Mask, and Rom Space Knight. Now, as I said, G.I. Joe and Mask, you can make it work. Micronauts, definitely not. Visionaries, absolutely not. And Rom Space Knight, forget it. Rom is set in the future. Thank you, Slick. Visionaries was, was a show that took place during a medieval time period. How are you going to make it work? It is ridiculous that you're trying to integrate all of this into one cinematic universe. It's insane. If you wanted to put out individual movies for these properties, that's fine. Or create universes for those properties, that's fine. But having them exist within the same universe as G.I. Joe and everything else is fucking insane. And what you're going to end up doing is watering down a franchise that is starting to pick up steam for the sake of cramming in other franchises. The second G.I. Joe movie was surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. There were a lot of things that could have been better, but it was definitely leaps and bounds ahead of the first film. But this is where Hasbro's going, folks. I got no other information about it except the fact 
that Hasbro made that announcement about the interconnected film universe. Hopefully, if we get out to Toy Fair in February, I can talk to someone from Hasbro and maybe get some additional information. Obviously, keep it locked here to MTR and Rageworks for other news items related to this crazy story. On the Marvel side of things, it looks like Marvel is trying to court Kurt Russell to play Star-Lord's father in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, numerous sites have reported that this is a done deal, but it is indeed not a done deal. Uh, Right now, it is reported that Marvel and Kurt Russell are in negotiations and they are trying to secure his services for the film, but he has not been cast as Star-Lord's father. Don't believe everything you read. It is currently in the works, not final as of yet. As I said at the start of the segment, Star Wars is off to a crazy start. The film has already earned $100 million in advanced ticket sales. This includes showtimes through January 1st. So right there alone, it, it shows you that Star Wars is just in its own category. The pre-release tracking for the film is estimating that it's going to bring in at minimum $200 million over the opening weekend. And a lot of people are saying that Jurassic World's $208.4 million haul is in jeopardy. Of course, screenings of Star Wars have already been in progress as of this Thursday with a full release today, now Friday, uh, December 18th. Again, I'm sure that by the time it's all said and done, Star Wars, Star Wars will have record-breaking box office totals, and it couldn't have happened at a better time for a film that truly has millions of people excited. So definitely looking forward to that. In some casting news, it looks like Vin Diesel is adding a bunch of, not only a bunch of new projects to his triple X queue, but he is also bringing back Riddick as well on the triple X side of things. He announced on his Facebook page that Samuel L. Jackson will be reprising his role as, as Augustus Givens in the next triple x film on the riddick side of things it looks like we are going to be seeing riddick on the small screen due to a partnership that vin diesel has entered into with universal um it's going to be a companion series to the riddick universe not it hasn't been confirmed if he will reprise his role for the series plus there is still one more riddick film in the series as well so we'll see where they go with that but it looks like vin diesel has a very very full plate Besides a brand new triple X and his work as Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he is working on some expanded universe stuff with Riddick and probably another Riddick film as well. It looks like Terminator 2, which many people feel is the gold standard of action films, will see a 3D release in 2016. Uh, Studio Canal and DMG Entertainment are remastering uh, the 3D version of T2 and expect to release it in theaters in 2016. Of course, the 3D version of Terminator 2 will premiere in China first and then will be released here in the States. Uh, Curious to see how well the the remastering of Terminator 2 goes. I'd, I'd love to see that in the big screen in 3D. I mean, 3D technology has evolved so much, and if they, if they remaster the film right, I'm definitely willing to check it out in the theater. 
I mean the 3D version of Jurassic Park and the 3D version of The Lion King were real masterpieces when it was all said and done. So I definitely wouldn't mind checking out T2 in 3D for the sake of nostalgia. So with that said, that is actually the last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up. Uh, A couple of things I wanted to let you guys know about before we take it home. Uh, The goal is to hopefully check out Star Wars this weekend and have a review on RageWorks.net. If we don't, obviously, we'll try and get it out as soon as humanly possible. Uh, Even though My Take Radio's episodes will be done for 2015, please make sure to check out our other shows, including the regular season sportscast, Black is the New Black, and hopefully we'll get a buried show before 2015 wraps. If not, I'll see what the deal is with the fellas and let you guys know where they stand with regards to future episodes of The Buried Show. As I said at the top of the broadcast, My Take Radio will be back January 13th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific with our MMA and Wrestling Edition. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, feel free to reach out. MTR host at MyTakeRadio.com or Rich at RageWorks.net. We're definitely starting to put together our guest role for 2016 Looking forward to having some really awesome guests on air and hopefully in studio. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys in the loop with regards to that before we come back in 2016. Uh, really excited for the direction of the show and also for the direction of Rageworks as well. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the show. I want to take a moment and thank all of you for your continued support, whether it's downloading, reading, commenting, sharing our content. We truly, truly appreciate it. And um, I'd also like to take a moment uh, with the Christmas around the corner. Wish all of you guys a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, Hope you guys get some kick-ass gifts. Would love to hear what you guys get on social media. Hit us up. Uh, Definitely always cool to see that stuff. And as always, you can stay in touch with myself and the rest of the staff by hitting up the RageWorks Facebook group or by visiting the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash official rage works of course you can also follow us on twitter at rage underscore works as well i've given you my take on gaming and entertainment in the final episode of my take radio for 2015 i always and definitely would love to hear yours definitely hit us up uh last but not least you can also follow us on pinterest instagram RageWorks underscore rich snapchat RageWorks on snapchat and, of course, on Google+, and we also have company pages on LinkedIn as well. All right, guys, I am out of here. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us these last two days. We've had our fair share of hiccups. I look forward to seeing you guys in 2016 and giving you kick-ass episodes of MTR. I am out of here. Peace. Rich, bitch! That's all, folks!